Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Fantastic. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 6. And we are in this series called On Your Mark. Somebody say, On Your Mark. And two Sundays ago, Pastor Johnny kicked us off with this idea on your mark is a phrase that talks about positioning, about getting ready because there's a, there's a race that's in front of us. And, you know, we, we take our position as a church and then God, he's, he, he, he triggers the gun. The gun goes off and the command for the church is for us to go. Somebody say go. On your mark, it's set, go. And I, I love the activity of the church. I love what God is doing in this church and how we're a church on the move. So many things that are happening. Did you realize, I don't know if you realize this or not, but two weeks ago, you gave out over 400 sheets of sheetrock to families that are still trying to rebuild and get into their home. Isn't that amazing? God blesses a church on the go. Can you say amen? In fact, two-thirds of God's name is I'm like, what? <laughs> Go, G-O-D. Okay, you'll catch that later. But, uh, and then last week, if you were here, we talked about serving the one. We read out of Acts chapter 8 and the story of Philip and the Ethiopian treasurer and how God will take you out of the city and put you in the backside of a desert to just connect with one person. And so today, if you're taking notes, because we believe that history makers are note takers write this down we're going to talk about serving the church serve the church in acts chapter six um as the summer heat is here how many of you are trying to find ways to stay cool how many of you know ice cream is a good way to stay cool yes yeah i can remember i was thinking about this even leading up to this weekend as a kid my dad would take us to baskin robbins anybody feeling the holy ghost in that right there Baskin Robbins. And you know, as a kid, when you walk into Baskin Robbins, it's overwhelming because there are so many different flavors, right? What are, what are some of your favorite flavors? How many of you like the, the mint chocolate chip? Oh, yes, a little mint chocolate chip. Maybe some of you, you're into cookies and cream. Anybody into the cookies and cream? Yes, Lord. What about Rocky Road? Where are we, Rocky? Oh, yeah, bringing it strong, represented. Uh, uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups in the house. Oh, yeah, throw in that peanut butter. It is, it's golden. Uh, Snickers, got the little Snickers flavor. Am I calling out right flavors yet? I noticed that there's a wild and reckless sherbet. How many had no idea there was a wild and reckless sherbet flavor? Now you know. Some days are wild and, and reckless. Uh, but as a kid, when you go into Baskin Robbins, you're just overwhelmed of all the choices and the different flavors. And you know, as I consider the book of Acts, there are so many different flavors that God gives us. And you know, you, you read about Acts chapter two on the day of Pentecost. I love that flavor because the Holy Spirit is poured out onto the New Testament church and they are infused with power, with strength. It, it's almost like a, a catalyst that ignited those 
New Testament Christians, and they did some extraordinary things. I love the flavor that God gives us in Acts chapter 3, whenever Peter and John, they were on their way to the temple to pray, and they see the lame man that's at the gate, and he's begging. You remember that story? And he's begging, and Peter looks down at him and says, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. I just love, I love the flavor of healing. I love the flavor of God pouring out his spirit on the day of Pentecost. I love the flavor of Peter being in prison and supernaturally an angel just comes and opens the doors and he walks through all of the guards unnoticed and he's restored to the church and they don't know how it happened, but God does things that we don't understand. I love reading Acts chapter 9 whenever Saul is on the way to Damascus, and the Bible says he was terrorizing the church. How many of you know that God can save a terrorist? And that even terrorism is no match for the power of the gospel. And there God knocks him off of his horse and transforms his life. And now the apostle Paul that we know and love, we can see radical transformation in his life. So many different flavors in the book of Acts. Well, Acts chapter 6, it may not be Rocky Road. It may not be mint chocolate chip. It may feel like plain vanilla, okay? But I want to tell you this. Vanilla, it's not just the flavor of the month, but it's the foundation for how the church is to move forward, okay? Read with me in Acts chapter 6, and I think, you know, how many plain vanilla people do we have out there? You just like that good old vanilla. Give me some bluebell. Come on, hum at me. Mmm. Yes, Lord. Acts chapter 6, I want to read the first seven verses to you, and we'll take a look at this critical moment in the life of the church. Verse 1, the Bible says this, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, now I want you to circle that phrase in your Bible, as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. Okay, underline that word discontent. Circle the phrase rapidly multiplied and underline the word discontent. As the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. Verse 2, so the twelve called a meeting of all the believers, and they said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the Word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected, who are full of the Holy Spirit, and they're full of wisdom. And we will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the Word. Verse 5, everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following men. Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit. Philip, Pro, Pro, Prochorus, uh, Nicanor, Timon, Simba, Mufasa, Timon, uh, Par, Parmesan. Where, where, come on, these mamas, where are they thinking when they name these kids? Um, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them, verse 7. And finally, so God's message continued to spread. Underline that phrase. God's message continued to spread, and the number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem. 
And many of the Jewish priests were converted too. Can I have an amen for the reading of the word? Okay, now when we read this, we don't see a lot of supernatural things happening. But I want to tell you, there's some very significant things that took place. And I want to walk through these seven verses and give you four, maybe five thoughts, key things for us to learn uh, as we talk about serving and what that looks like in the life of the church. Notice the Bible says that the, the believers were rapidly multiplying and there were rumblings of discontent. If you're taking notes, write down this first thought, okay? This is a key principle. But growth creates problems. Growth creates problems. How many of you know that when you're growing, it will force you to make changes? It will force you to think in different ways. You're going to have to find new ways of doing the same thing. It will force you to sacrifice at different levels. How many business owners do we have in the house today? As your business grows, how many of you know that growth creates some problems? Problems that maybe you didn't anticipate. You, you work for growth. You pray and position yourself to grow. And then when growth happens, things begin to change. Sometimes there's tension that it creates. It's true in a business. It's true in your family. How many married couples do we have in the house? Okay, do you remember what life was like when it was just you? Man, you just did whatever you wanted, whenever you wanted, however you wanted. And then there were two. Two changes things. Well, where do you want to eat? Well, I don't know. Where do you want to eat? I don't care. It's just up to you. Well, and then you make a decision. I don't really want to eat there. Well, baby, you said you didn't care where we eat. Come on now. Say, pastor's preaching where you're living right now. <laughs> Growth creates some problems. But then as a married couple, you, you know, you still, you can still kind of roll however you want to. You do whatever. You, your schedule's different. And even your intimacy. I mean, man, when you're young and in love and no kids, man, you're just intimate whenever. I mean, it's just spontaneous. And then there were children. How many of you know kids are a game changer? They change your schedule. They change your priorities. They change your intimacy with your spouse. I heard a counselor say one time, you know, before you have kids, when you're married, sex is spontaneous. But then once you have children, it takes a little more planning. Go ahead and set the appointment. Right? And the art of distraction is critical, is it not? Set up the iPad and watch a little Barney. I love you. You love me. We're a happy with a great big hug. To this day, when I hear the Barney theme song, it makes me want to make out with my wife. Come on, somebody. Is this okay, babe? She's telling me there are children in the house. Growth creates pain. Can you say amen? And this is a picture of the New Testament church that is growing rapidly. I mean, things are happening, and all of a sudden now, there are certain challenges. You know, when I thought about this passage, I begin to think about us as a church. And, you know, we're about to celebrate 25 years as a church, but if you were just to rewind the clock three or four years, I want you to consider some of the growth spurts that have happened just within the last four years. Back in 2013, we launched and planted a campus in Honduras. In the... And we got a team that is fresh back from the mission field in the mountains of north central Honduras. And do you know that on any given week, Healing Place Honduras reaches over 800 people? Amazing. 
Just a couple years ago, we launched a video campus at Angola State Penitentiary, the largest maximum security prison in America. And we've seen men being reached for the gospel. In fact, over the last two years, we have grown 115%. We have doubled the size of our influence within that security prison. Do you know that just last year, we launched a second campus in Mozambique? And in Isaac and Carol doing a phenomenal work. We celebrated 10 years as being a, a church in Mozambique. And just within recent months, launched a second campus. And now every single week, reaching 11, 12, 1,300 people for Christ in Mozambique. Uh, back in March, we launched a campus in Spain. And I think one of the critical areas in Europe, uh, just a strategic location in Estepona with Pastors Dick and Ruth Flores. And man, already the gospel is transforming neighborhoods and communities. Several years ago, we purchased a piece of property in Denham Springs and we paid for it on cash. Thank you, Jesus. And we're in the process of remodeling that facility. And our hope is by the end of this year, that building will be complete and we'll be able to open the doors consistently to reach into Livingston Parish. Do you know that this past year, we had the largest Easter attendance in the history of the church? 19,997 people came to one of our campuses to experience Christ. We had the largest Christmas Eve service in the history of the church. We've had the largest Mother's Day attendance, the largest Father's Day attendance, the largest back-to-school attendance. In fact, last Sunday, we baptized more people last Sunday in a single day than we've ever done in the 24-year history of this church. In one day, so many people going public with their faith. Some came prepared to be baptized. Others made a decision on the spot. It's remarkable to see the life and the growth and the health of the church. Our North Baton Rouge campus, our Baton Rouge Dream Center right here in our inner city, we've remodeled that building not once, but thanks to the flood, we had to remodel it twice. Can you say amen? Uh, our annex right here on this piece of property, we've remodeled the, and we've painted the exterior, remodeled the interior, and have created a great environment to reach into the Hispanic community of our population and to do so many different ministries out of that space. And finally, three years ago, we were able to acquire a permanent facility in St. Francisville so we could reach into the Felicianas and let them know this church, after 10 years, is here to stay. God is growing. HPC. And I say all of that to bring glory to the Lord. Now listen, growth creates problems. Can you say, oh yeah? We got problems in our parking lot. Hello? We've got problems in our classrooms. We, I mean, you stand in long lines to, to get you a, a cup of coffee out of the cafe. You stand in long lines to get your children. I mean, we're trying to figure out, okay, where do we put people? Do we add more services? We need buildings. We need money. Can I have a good amen? And these are great problems. And as I studied and I prepared for this message, I thought, Lord, I pray that Healing Place will always have problems. And I want you to know, this may be a surprise to you, and this may make some of you nervous, but your pastor is praying problems into your life. You say, Mike, I want to grow in God. Well, listen, you pray for problems and or, no, you pray for growth. And guess what shows up? Problems. 
You see, don't misinterpret the problems in your life. Some of you, now not all problems are, are correlated to growth, but I want to tell you, some of you are growing in your relationship with the Lord. You're growing in your influence. You're growing in your capacity, and it's creating a strain in other areas of your life. That's very much normal. 2,000 years ago, the church was growing at such a rapid pace. And they didn't know what to do. Wait a second. We're having some problems. I want you to know success will challenge your priorities and they'll challenge your practices. The things that you're praying and believing God for, as he stretches you and he grows you, sometimes problems come up. That was the case here. The second thing I want you to see is this. Now, I'm going to say this two times because I want you to listen with the ears of your spirit. I want you to absorb this thought. This may be the most important of all the thoughts. Problems were growing. The, the, the widows in the daily food distribution, some of them were being overlooked. In fact, the Greek widows were being overlooked. The Hebrew widows were being favored. And so there were rumblings of discontent. I want you to see, number two, the source of your frustration may be the seed of your inspiration. The source of your frustration could very well be the seed to your inspiration. I want you to see how the Holy Spirit can take frustration and turn it into inspiration. When these widows were being overlooked, rumblings of discontent, there were problems that, that arise. What happened? What did they do about their problems? Did they simply complain? Or did they contribute? Now, uh, consider this. What widows were being overlooked? The Greek widows. What was the solution? Who did they choose? They chose Greek men. I couldn't even pronounce most of their names. Think about it. The very group of men that provided the solution to this frustration were Greek men because they recognized something isn't right. Have you considered that if it bothers you, maybe, just maybe, it bothers you because God has placed something in you so you can fix it. You ever been frustrated about something? You ever, when you get frustrated, you see something's not right and you just, man, somebody ought to do something about that. How many ever thought that? Okay, only three of you are being honest. How many of you have done more than think about it, but you've actually complained about it? I can't believe somebody needs to do something about this. I, I can remember in my neighborhood several years ago, we got a nice neighborhood, and it's well kept. But one day I pulled into the neighborhood, and I was on my way home, and, and I drove in. At the very entrance, there was trash everywhere. And I'm thinking, man, why are people littering? I mean, there's like, you know, fast food types of cups and napkins and bags. And stuff. I'm thinking, man, this is such a nice neighborhood. Please, come on, people. Why are you going to litter? And I just drove on by. Next day, I woke up and going to work, leave the neighborhood, and there that trash is in the same place. And I thought, you know, somebody ought to do something about this. For the love of God, please. Came home at the end of the day, guess what? That trash was still there. And that thought was still in my mind. Somebody ought to do something until the Holy Spirit said, oh, wait, 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 time out. Somebody? That somebody that ought to do something is you. Listen, I wonder how many people drove by that trash and never even noticed it. But yet I noticed it. It bothered me. You see, listen, maybe God uses frustration in your life to be the very inspiration you need to be a solution to the problem that you see. Can I have a better amen? 
Oh, it's easy to criticize. It's easy to complain about it. But maybe it's messing with you so it can be a blessing to somebody else. Oh, I'm preaching better than you're shouting right now. If it's messing with you, it may be a blessing for somebody else. But you got to step up. You got to get involved. I remember talking to a guy, uh, and he's been a part of our church for a number of years. But about six or seven years ago, he was leaving the church after a Sunday service, and man, there's traffic everywhere, everywhere. It took him so long to get off the property, and man, he's complaining, and he's critical. Look at all this traffic. Somebody ought to do something. Guess what? God started dealing with him and said, why don't you join the parking team? So do you know for seven years, he's been faithful, day, Sunday after Sunday. Guess who helped you get onto the parking lot today? That very guy who seven years ago was frustrated with the parking in this house. Can I have a better amen? I love it. In fact, I talked to a guy not long ago. He said, you know, I used to avoid Highland Road on Sundays. Just can't just avoid it altogether. I mean, big old church over there, just, you know, traffic's all jammed. I would avoid it at all costs. And he said one Sunday he had forgotten. I mean, it just slipped his mind. He forgot what day of the week it was. And he turned on the Highland Road and he got caught in the traffic. And he was complaining and he was criticizing. The very thing he was trying to avoid, he finds himself caught up in the middle of. And so a sheriff's deputy out there was directing the traffic and directed him onto the property. He said, literally, he said, I didn't want to be in that traffic. I was complaining about the church. And here, the law enforcement is telling me I got to come up into this place. So he's thinking, well, man, here I am. I might as well see what all the fuss is. Walked in these doors with a critical spirit, was met with the presence of Jesus, and said, you know what? I need to be a part of all that traffic on Sundays. Hadn't left the church since. You see how God can take frustration and he can turn it into inspiration This is what I love about the Bible. You see, the Bible is for real life. The church was having problems. People were upset. They were griping. They were complaining. I got to talk to somebody about this. This ain't right. They're upset at church leadership. We need to meet. And yet the Holy Spirit, through the apostles, begins to bring a solution. And you know what the solution wasn't? The solution wasn't, well, you need more paid staff. You need to hire a bigger team. The solution was this. We need to raise up some volunteers. You see, they didn't need another apostle. They needed somebody with a willing heart that would see a need, step up, and serve. And here's what I love about this church, that this church has never been built on the talents of a few. They've been built on the sacrifices of many. And you have sacrificed and you have served. We believe the philosophy of ministry here at HPC is this. Every member is a minister. Every member has a ministry. You see, there were seven men that were waiting to be identified. Their potential had always been there, but they never had the opportunity until a problem showed up. Come on, problems will give you revelation. They They grew, they experienced frustration, they found inspiration, and guess what? They did something about it. Do you know the only way to get from the growth we have to the growth that we need is for people to step up. Number two, the source of your frustration may be the seed of your inspiration. Now, here's the third point. I want you to see this. And, I, and this is what I, one of the things that I love about this story. I want you to hear this. The third thing is this. There are no big eyes 
and little U's in the kingdom. There are no big I's and little U's. You say, Mike, what, what do you mean? Now I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to talk to the pastors, okay? Because I feel like in, in modern church, a lot of times what we've done, we've put the pastor on a pedestal and we've minimized the contribution of a volunteer. Are you with me? You see, in this story, we have apostles. Well, wait a second. I'm an apostle. I'm the colossal apostle. I'm the man of the hour, God's tower of power. Too sweet to be sour. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't do that. That's too far below me. Hear me, church. Never trust a preacher who won't take out the garbage. I'm going to say it this way, I'm gonna say, and I'm, talk, I'm talking to us now. I'm talking to brothers and sisters who are full-time staff and in ministry and we're pastors. Please do not idolize a man. Man will always disappoint you. Even on my best days, I will fall short. But we do everything here at Healing Place to point people to Jesus, and we value the contribution of every person here. We tell our staff, because you know, it takes a number of volunteers to pull off Sunday services. In fact, if you're going to volunteer here once a month, it takes over 1,600 volunteers to pull off a Sunday. Right now, we have about 850. That tells me our church needs to double in volunteer efforts. But we tell our staff, listen, you know, for, for those of us that are paid to do this and those of us who are pastors, we, we say, you know, of all the setup that it takes to pull off a service, we tell the pastors, if you're too big to set up the stage, then you're too small to stand on it. If you're too big to set it up, then you're too small to stand on it. And that, that we, we're not entitled here. I mean, think about these men that were chosen. Think about Stephen. Stephen was listed as one of the, the seven to wait tables. What if Stephen would have said, what? Serve tables? Are you kidding me? That's, that's beneath me. I'm a man of God. Widows? Widows are high maintenance. Waiting tables? They don't tip very well. How many's ever waited tables? How many knows that you stand on your feet a long, long time? When you wait in tables, you're serving sometimes people that aren't very grateful or thankful. You're serving people who criticize everything you do. Sometimes at the end of your best day and you're giving it everything you got, they don't give you much of a tip at all. What if Stephen would have said, no, 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 I don't want to wait tables. My calling is above that. I want to be an apostle. Let me be an apostle. You see, too many people are chasing titles when Jesus is handing out towels. No, 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 you need a towel. Hey, a, a towel will test you. A, a, a towel will reveal what your motives are if you're in it for the right reasons. You know, there are no big eyes in ministry and little U's. Well, I'm big. I need to be served when I can. No, no, no. Our leader is a servant, and we are serving a servant. Come on, somebody. How many know that puts it in perspective? Jesus said, I didn't come into this world to be served, but to serve others and to give my life as a ransom for many. Everything Jesus ever did was about serving the purposes of God. He never promoted himself. And in ministry and in the kingdom, we've got to rearrange our paradigm and our priorities. You know, if you think, watch this, if you think that your assignment is small, well, you know what, I'm just a greeter. 
or I just serve in kids, or, or you know, I'm just an usher, or I work out in the park. That's all I do. If, I'm, if you think your assignment is small, then you've forgotten who you're doing this for. How many of you know Jesus is not small? He's the biggest thing that's ever happened in the history of the world. So there are no small assignments when you do it as unto the Lord. Are you catching this this morning? And I love this passage because the apostles, this was a critical moment. The apostles had done everything within their power to grow the church up until this point. But they could go no further without the help of volunteers who would wait tables and serve widows. And, and they didn't matter who got the credit. They weren't in it to become famous. They made a decision, we're in this thing to make Jesus famous. And if we're going to make Jesus famous, then I'm okay with being anonymous. Can I have a better amen? Please don't idolize pastors. Don't idolize this stage. You know, God forbid that we, we idolize a pastor over the presence of Jesus. And may, as pastors, may none of us ever receive that unto ourselves. Now, listen, we need encouragement. And I thank God that churches, they honor the office of ministry. And I'm grateful for that. I feel so loved and so respected. But God always reminds me of who this thing is all about. And every day we have to remind ourselves what we're doing and who we're doing it for. Can you say amen? amen. Guess, who, guess who preaches the longest recorded sermon in the book of Acts. Guess, just, just take a wild guess. Who is it that preaches the longest recorded sermon in the book of Acts? The apostle Peter? No. Nope. Wait, wait, day of Pentecost, that was amazing. Yeah, I like that flavor. That's a great flavor, but that wasn't the longest recorded sermon. Maybe it had to be the apostle Paul. Surely he preached. Nope. You know who it was? It was Stephen. Read the, if you read the next chapter in Acts chapter 7, Stephen goes from waiting tables, serving widows, to becoming the first martyr of the New Testament church. And when they threw, and I'm telling you, and God moved powerfully through him. Many miraculous signs and wonders took place, all because a man was willing to step up and serve a need. Are you catching this today? See, number four, the, the, the fourth thing I want to give you is this. If you'll be faithful in ordinary things, it'll bring the extraordinary. Faithful in the ordinary brings the extraordinary. I believe that extraordinary moments are the combination of many faithful ordinary moments. And in what we see throughout the book of Acts, this critical moment in church history and church growth, because men stepped up to serve and meet a need, the Bible says that the church continued to grow. Isn't that amazing? I mean, as good as it was up until that point, it was even better moving forward. Why? Because the local church understood the power of serving and the need of everyone. You see, so I, I, I say it like this. Sometimes there are misconceptions when it comes to mega church. Okay, and, and I, I even hate to use that word mega church because we are not a mega church. We are a local church with a mega vision. We have a vision to reach the world, but we're a local church, right? And we just believe that right here in little old Baton Rouge with ordinary people like us, that if we faithfully serve in the ordinary, that God produces extraordinary. And we, we've, we've seen it happen over the last 24, almost 25 years and how God has grown the church. But one of the misconceptions of large church is this. 
well, I don't want to go to that big old church because, you know, well, they don't need me. They don't even know me. I can never find a fit in that place. You know, uh, if I left, they would never miss me. And that's a lie of the enemy. Because the truth is this. You need what's in this house. But this house needs what's inside of you. You've got a gift. You've got a talent. You've got an ability. You've got a willingness. And, And if you don't express that, then this church will grow and it'll stop right here at this level. But if you and I step up and some of you is going to have to be experimental. I don't know what I'm good at. Well, you won't know unless you try a few things. Come on. You know, the, the leadership's responsibility is to give you lanes to run in. But your responsibility is to step up to the line on your mark. Get set. And when that gun goes off, baby, you start stepping. And whatever God puts in front of you, you do it faithfully and watch what happens. You see, faithful in the ordinary brings the extraordinary. But the last thought, and then I want to pray over you. Your serve grows the church, but it also grows you. When you begin to step up and serve, not only does the church grow, but then you begin to grow. There's nothing that has accelerated my relationship with God more than my willingness to step up and serve. Because in my doing, I'm learning. In my learning, I'm growing. In my growing, I'm going. Come on, somebody. Well, I felt the Holy Ghost there. That's how it works. And if you feel stagnant in your faith, maybe God's saying, hey, step up and start something there's a team for you to get on. There's a next steps environment for you to be a part of. There's a small group for you to discover. There is an opportunity for you to serve, not just this Saturday, but all throughout the year. And if you'll make that one small commitment to serve, I believe it'll grow this church, but you'll see unprecedented growth in your life like never before. The Bible says in that final verse, and the church continued to grow and the gospel spread. Everybody say spread. You know what I thought of when I read that again this weekend? I thought about peanut butter jelly sandwiches. The gospel began to spread. I had me two PBJs this weekend. Not one, but two. I was so hungry. How many know nothing does, nothing satisfies your hunger quite like a PBJ at just the right time? It's, oh, that's a perfect combination. Peanut butter and jelly. Oh, Lord have mercy. And I made me a PBJ, and my kids love it when I make PBJs because there's a certain method to making it right. I got to take that peanut butter, and I got to spread it all over that bread. It's got to reach the edges. How many know what I'm talking about? Don't just put a little clump in the middle. And then, No, no, if I'm taking a bite... I'm not just eating bread. It's got to go from one side to the next. It's got to go from one corner to the next. It's got, in fact, I put peanut butter and jelly so thick that it's coming out the sides. Come on, are you with me? And you got to have some napkins, and they got to be wet because you're about to make a sticky mess. You spread that thing. Don't get, I just don't want bread. I want the P, B, and the J. In fact, sacrifice the bread. Just give me the P, B, and the J. But if you're going to put it on, you got to spread it. And you got to put it on thick. And I thought, Lord, as this church serves, 
let us put it on thick. The gospel of God all over this community from corner to corner, from edge to edge, from neighborhood to neighborhood, from one end of the city limits to the other. Let us be that church. Can I have a good amen? Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.